0: What we felt the Lord's word was at the beginning of this year which was quite simply pressing in and pressing on. You know we all I hope know now about the vision we have to uh, just create a space where God can do more than he's doing among us already. And we've bought the building next door and I was so thrilled with, with Richard's message on a passion for the poor and so delighted and thrilled well, I'm delighted and thrilled with both of them. With uh, Kevin Nash's uh, passion for youth last week, just sort of giving you a little background, the thought behind this and why we need this extra space. We all know that there are big challenges that God has put before us, and they certainly will and have already kept me awake at night, just the size of it, the sort of audacious size of the vision God has for us here. But it's not just about doing great things. The invitation is to press on in. We're pressing in to God's presence. There is an invitation And that, the Lord has a question for us, is do you wanna know me? Do you really wanna know me? I mean, do you really, really wanna know me? And I remember that wonderful message that Dennis preached, I think literally the end of last year, it was the last Sunday, wasn't it? Was it? And uh, it was basically, you know, call out to me and I will show you deep and unsearchable things that you do not know. That's an invitation out of Jeremiah. And God is saying, there are things I want to show you. And it's it's almost like the Lord is deliberating. Are they up for this? Are they interested at all? Shall I show you these things? And he wants to know whether we're a people who are passionate about him before we press into other things. And are we passionate about him? And if we will press into him, there are things he wants to share with us. There are burdens, prayer burdens, if you like. That's why Mark was wanting to call it prevailing Prayer. And actually, I'm... It's a bit religious, but I, I, I get it. I totally understand it. There are things on God's heart that he wants his church to have on their heart. And, and, and these things come as we seek his face. So, so we felt we wanted to you know uh, tie in with what God has said in us and through us so far this year. And we also wanted to carry on that series, Day and Night Until, which is up there on the podcast, which was the, the first part of our our journey into prayer and intercession, and I do encourage you, if you missed it, to uh, to go back onto the archives, the, the media stuff, and catch those messages. and uh, And uh, we taught this on, in the autumn, and uh, and we we said there were you know, two or three very important things. I don't have time to go through it, but but let it let it be said that it begins with honouring God. You know, we tend to bundle into the presence of God with our list of to-dos. God, will you do this, or will you do that, or will you bless this, or will you bless that, or will you help that, or will you help my friend? Yeah, all of that, actually, actually, it's okay to do that, and some people don't do that, and Mark, or or Dennis is gonna talk about that later. But the truth is, it's okay to do that, but we must remember who God is. First and foremost, you know, he is the living God, he is a holy God, and just as you wouldn't charge into the, the, you know, the, 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 the reactor core of a nuclear power station without getting fully kitted up, you have to fully kit yourself up to come into God's presence because he is a holy God and we are not. We have to prepare our hearts and our minds and it's, it's more than a courtesy. It's actually a good discipline. It's, it's something that honors God. We need to honor God. So I, I haven't got time to do that, that series again you need to check it out. But we're carrying on from that. It also ties in with Isaiah 62, verses 6 and 7. Let's just throw that up on the screen. Uh, And this will be familiar to many of you because you know that we have this thing we call the watchman ministry, a very simple little prayer and intercession ministry that's been going for 27 years now. And that was birthed uh, uh, on this verse out of Isaiah 62. I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You call... You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest, and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. There's this sense of tugging on father's sleeves and saying, father, you know, when, are you gonna, when are you gonna win a wonderful reputation for Jesus in this century, this generation? When are you gonna establish your kingdom? Father, 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 now, if that was one of my kids in the supermarket, I would probably get very irritated. You know, kids tugging their sleeve all the time. Can I have some sweets? Can I have some sweets? You know what it is like. Actually, the Father's different. He loves it when it matters enough to us for us to persist and to prevail and to push through in prayer. It says it matters. His kingdom things, his higher ways matter to us. So that's important to him. But I want to ask you a question because you may be relating to this, you may not be relating to this, but I want to ask you a question. Have you ever prayed... No one, (laughs) we're in trouble, (laughs) I'm glad we're preaching this. Have you ever, I mean really prayed? I'm being naughty, you know me. I mean really, really prayed. Has there been a season in your life, just think back over your life, it may be many years long and many years walking with Christ and it may just be, you know, you're a new Christian and this whole thing is new to you, it's fine, whatever. Have you ever really, really prayed? Have there been those times where you've been so caught by something? Or anxious about something? Or you've seen something on the TV which has really made your gut churn. And you've just, it's haunted you almost. It's like being haunted. I've never been haunted, but I imagine it's like me. It's where you have to keep coming back into God's presence. It just won't go away, and you, and, you, and you find yourself sort of praying, oh God, please heal my aunt, please heal my aunt, please heal my aunt, please heal. Oh God, oh God, oh God, and then you kind of let it rest, and then, oh no, it's, please, oh God. Has anybody ever had that kind of experience? Just put your hand up if that's, if you, ah, I see. It's funny, nobody in that block, yes they did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hands went up all over the room. Now, you may have just thought that was you being anxious or loving or just hooked by something. I want to surprise you with something. That actually <laughs> was a gift of God. That was a gift of God. In that moment, the Holy Spirit imparted to you a prayer burden, what the old timers used to call a prayer burden. And that's the area we're talking about. When God comes upon you with concern for, I don't know, it can be, it can, it can be the situation in Syria. It can be. Sometimes it, it's surprising. Things that are way out there. And you think, why am I even bothering about this? But it grips you. Other times it's just, you know, your aunt who's struggling with cancer and she's such a sweetie pie and there seems to be no justice in the world. I want to ask you another question. Those of you who put your hands up and answer that question, have you ever really prayed? Just... Can I ask you, did God answer your prayer and and deliver what he wanted? Put your hand up if if that happened. Yeah, a lot of hands, not as many, but a lot of hands. And I'm gonna ask you another question. I want you to be really honest. Did you pray, did you pray, did you pray like heck? But God said no and nothing happened or it didn't go, just put your hand up. Yeah, you see there's a hand. See a lot of hands as well. You see, we actually, without using prevailing prayer or you know, making prayer count or purpose-driven prayer. We actually know what prevailing prayer is about, the experience of it, we just don't, simply don't understand it very well. But actually, the saints knew what prevailing prayer was. They knew how to make prayer count and that's what we wanna teach you. We wanna unpack that experience so next time it happens, and it will, you will know how to deal with that, how to process that. I'm gonna tell you a very quick story about prevailing prayer for me. Uh, this is the very very first time this happened to me. Some of the, this story is familiar to some of you. But when I was at college, forgive me, it was a long time ago. I could tell you more recent ones, but I want to tell you this one because the teaching is nice and clear in this one. When I was at college, a dear friend of mine on my course, a guy called Ian, his wife suddenly collapsed in the high street. She was just apparently unconscious. She was taken to... To uh, the hospital, and there was there were life signs, but there was no response. They couldn't get any kind of a response. And two days, it was as if she was in a coma. Two days, she lay in a hospital bed with no action. Well, well, Ian rang me up and said, "I don't know what what Sarah's collapsed, and I'm at the hospital. And can you come down?" And all the rest of it. So I went down, and as I'm driving down there, suddenly this great big weight comes upon me. I'm just so anxious. I just feel this is gonna end badly. This is not gonna be good. This is a real attack on my dear friend, Ian. Uh, and the course I was on, there's only 12, 11 or 12 of us. It, we were very close. Uh, and suddenly I'm, I'm praying, I'm praying. And So I get down there and Ian's looking really worried. and He's saying, I, I don't know, I'm gonna, they've got a bed for me, I'm gonna stay so I prayed with him and you know, prayed my best prayer ever. You know, and then drove back and all the way home, I'm, I'm anxious about this the following morning, I ring him up and he said, uh, she started thrashing around, but she's still seemingly in some kind of a coma. And so I went back in that day and she was spas- you know, spasmoid or whatever they call it, it's like he was absolutely out of control. Anyway, this went on for two or three days. All this time I'm groaning and a few, I'm ringing up a few friends and a few other friends at college are sort of beginning to pray. And Ian, he comes back. He's been at hospital for four or five days. He needs to clean, clean, you know, wash his clothes. So he comes back and, he, and I arranged to meet with him and a few others. And he says, you know, they're saying me, they don't know what's wrong. They've got more tests to do, but they, they've never seen anything like it before. And they said, I've got to prepare myself. She's going to be like that for the rest of her life. They can't. They, they don't know what's wrong with her. And at that moment, this kind of thing came on us but on me and I said she's going to be healed she's God is going to get the glory she's going to be healed long story short four days later I'm going down there with the principal of the theological college and we've arranged a prayer meeting I am so convinced that God is going to heal her I've bought this great big bunch of flowers it cost me more than I should have spent and I was going to present it to her when she sat up in bed, after we'd anointed her with oil and prayed for her, and she, uh, does, uh, we get down there and the family's there, her family have come in, she was from South Africa, so the family flown in, flown in and I said, don't worry, God's gonna heal I'm convinced of it, these are the flowers I'm gonna present to her, we're gonna go and pray now, but you know, prepare yourself for a miracle. I mean, what was I on, really, you know? So I go in there, we pray for her, and I pray, that you know, the principal of college pays his prayer, and I pray my best prayer and all the rest of it, and she's still the same. And I come out and I have to face the family. And their little eyes had lit up when I said, She's gonna, God's going to heal. I believe that. And I said, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I'm, I don't know what to say. I'm so sorry. That triggered in me. I went home. That triggered in me a crisis of faith because I really believed that God had told me that she was gonna, he was going to heal her. I believed that. I believe that was, you know, was like the nose on my face. And yet God didn't. But the prayer burden would not go away. The prayer burden would not go away. And I rang Ian up and I said, I can hardly talk, I can hardly talk to you, please forgive me. But, and I know you don't wanna hear this, but I just feel we should carry on praying. And so we called a little prayer meeting. There was probably about seven of us in this, in this student sort of lobby room. And we had a meeting that night. And, and Ian came in and said, okay, guys, well, it's just no change. And they're saying she's gonna be this sort of you know, thing all the time. I got to prepare myself so we just prayed and we got really a head of steam up you know it was kind of like oh God you know God 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 you know we honor you you are the king of the universe you are the king of all that is seen and unseen God you've got to move in this situation glorify your son not for our sake for your son's sake there's a lot riding on we we just went for it it felt better afterwards you know we did our thing we went home still I'm carrying this thing following Morning, Ian rings me up very excited. He said, You'll never guess what? You'll never guess what? I said, What? She stopped thrashing around. She stopped thrashing around. And I went, Whoa! And that meeting, you know, he came to the prayer meeting and she'd stopped thrashing around. And the room went wild. All seven of us were leaping around. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, the next day he comes back going, And now we've, we've established a a daily prayer meeting for, and there's about 10, 15 people coming to that. The next day, he comes back and he says, he says, you know, they've said that, you know, I, I uh, she'll never recognize my voice again. She, she's in a deep coma. She'll never, 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 ever recognize me. So she's not thrashing around, but, and we said, let's pray, let's pray. We're gonna pray for this. So we prayed, we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed for a couple of days like that. Oh God, God, may, may she recognize Ian, may she recognize Ian's voice as he whispers the love that he has for this woman into her ear. Third day, she, he comes back, he says, you never guess what? you never guess what? And we said, what? And he said, I was talking to her, I was praying for her, I was whispering in her ear, and all of a sudden, she lifted her hand and went like that on my shoulder. The 15, 20 of us went wild behaving not like Christians. We were like the kids on the terraces. I turned TV on. My son supports Aston Villa. I turned the TV on yesterday, just as they scored a gold, and the crowd went wild. We were leaping around. Long story short, three days later, I think it was probably about a week, actually, we're praying, beginning to lose steam, and then then he comes home, and he says, they said that uh, you know, okay, her hearing is improving. There's evidence for that, but she'll never look, She'll never see again. They said she'll never see again, folks. And we said, right, let's pray. So we prayed, we prayed, we prayed. We agonised. We poured out our hearts. We thought, oh God, oh God, oh God, you are the master of the universe, and so on and so. On. Please, Lord God, move in power to heal her. Two days later, he came back and he said, for the last two days, I've had a red balloon and I've been waving this across her face. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. This afternoon, about 3:30. Suddenly, her eyes, and they're open, started tracking the balloon. And the room went wild. There are about 25 or 30 of us by now. We went crazy. All of that is absolutely true. Four months later, four months, and we didn't meet every night. We met regularly, weekly. But four months later, she walked into the dining room at St. John's Theological College, Nottingham, on the arm of her husband, a little bit shaky and the crowd went wild the crowd went wild and I believe that was that was my first lesson in prevailing prayer I believe God did speak to me about her being healed I just wanted him to do it now in my way so I looked good and my bunch of flowers kind of made me look stazzy and all the rest of it that was wrong but you know the burden the prayer burden was there and that one ended well, sometimes prayer burdens, God gives you them, and I don't know, I've got no clever answer, sometimes God gives you these things, and it doesn't turn well, it even happened to Jesus, it even happened to Jesus, turn with me with you, Will, actually, before I do that, Romans 8, very quickly, Romans 8, don't you know that in Romans 8, or I'm telling you if you don't know, It speaks this, it says this. It says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, and we are weak in prayer. We will always be weak. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray or how we should pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I love that. Because that kind of, oh God, I gotta pray. I can't even watch the telly in my favorite program. That kind of compulsion to just, Take yourself away just to pray for a few minutes, just to kind of get a bit of peace, if nothing else. That actually is part of prevailing prayer. That's a gift to all of us. And when you've agonized over your aunt, over the job, or over Syria, or whatever it is, do you not know that actually God is not the reluctant God that you are kind of trying to bash the doors down to get him to do something? He is God who has drawn you into the very Spirit's heart, where the Spirit is groaning for these things. And he helps us in our prayer. In, Rome, in Romans 8, further on, it says, Jesus excuse me Jesus himself is interceding excuse me but as I said sometimes Jesus had this burden of prayer and yet it didn't work out well for him so for those of us who put our hands up and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and it didn't happen we, we we had a crisis of faith and that was certainly been my experience so it was for Jesus and let's just have a little look now Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46, it's the event that takes place very shortly after the Last Supper, and of course we have celebrated that tonight already. And if you have a smart device, or if you have a Bible even, uh, fine, and it'll also go up on the, the screen here. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Boy, there is, that's it. It's kind of a restlessness in the spirit. It's certainly not a happy place. There's this kind of sorrow and this, this restlessness and something that comes on you. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples, thought the time was over maybe, maybe we can go back now and have a sort of a last drink down the the pub or something before whatever else is gonna happen, but he goes back, and it's still, no, he can't, it's not the end yet, it's not the end yet. He says to the disciples, he says he returned, verse 40, he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour? He said, Peter, Peter, he asked Peter, watch and pray so that, you, <clears throat> so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak and he went away a second time. That's the way it is with prevailing prayer. Whenever I've had those kind of prayer burdens, I wanna, I, I wanna get rid of it, I wanna do it, do what I'm supposed to do and I wanna get back to my family, I wanna get back to the telly, I wanna get back to the garden, I wanna get back to whatever. But there's something in the nature of these prayer burdens that God lays upon us as we deep into those deep and unsearchable things. We do not, he he reveals his heart to us and there's a restlessness that comes with it. And you're like a a, a little puppy dog with a big bone. You just cannot leave it alone. So Jesus goes back that second time, goes back into prayer. Verse 42, he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. He prayed. This actually happened three times, this is the third time. When he came back, verse 43, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. You may be concerned that you do not have the words to pray. The Spirit will help you, Romans 8, and you will with sighs and groans. But actually, you know, repetition by rote is not necessarily a good thing. But but praying again and again and again is a good thing. I think Mark's gonna deal with that in one of his talks, just speaking to that and the understanding of that and give you some insight about that. Verse 45, then he returned to them, to the disciples and he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? The rest of them was snoring, they were soaring logs, you know, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us go, here comes my betrayer. That was Jesus' answer. To his prayer, he agonized. Some of the older versions talk about him sweating at the point of blood. It's like drops of blood. He was in such an agony, this prevailing prayer, this burden of prayer was so heavily upon him. Father, 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 if it's possible, don't make me go through this. Don't let me, I don't want to go through this. Please, if it's possible. Let this moment pass. Let this moment pass. Three times the Son of God prayed that. And the answer, the answer was no. Come, stand up, wake up. My betrayer is here. In the same chapter, Matthew records that Jesus said to those who arrested him, Do you not know? Do you not know that I have but to say the world, and my father would release ten legions of angels to come to my aid? Now that was probably the answer that Jesus was wanting. Oh God, send those ten legions. Get me out of this fix, please. If not, send my betrayer and the Roman guards. And guess who came? The angels or the Roman Guard? Romans Guard? The answer was no. But Jesus, in that moment and throughout this moment, he knew one thing. He never stopped calling him Father. He knew his Father loved him and he knew he was in relationship with God. He knew that God heard his prayer. God always hears your prayer. You may sit there and say, Well, I can believe how he hears Chris's prayer or Fliss's prayer or Linda's prayer or John's prayer or whoever's prayer, but not my prayer. God always hears your prayer, it's never wasted. But sometimes the answer is no. Now Jesus was able to live with that and thank God he was able to live with it. Because his death means life to us. His death means life to us. He went through it. Okay, Father, your will be done. And he never balked. He never never complained. It says like that he went like a lamb to the slaughter, an innocent, being calmly led. Some of, some of the gospel writers say that he never, he stood before Pilate, he didn't say a word. Pilate was amazed, he said, don't you realize, that you, have you got, he's simple or something, don't you realize that I have power over you, to, to, you know, to have you crucified, so come on, give you an account of yourself. He was wanting to let him go, of course, but Jesus didn't say anything. Had a conversation later on, about truth, but it was interesting, but another matter. So three little, four little things I can just sort of help you with in this passage, and I really encourage you as we come into Lent, and we don't really do Lent in the vineyard, but shh, I'm doing Lent. <laughs> Good time for some spiritual discipline, for some going deeper some trying to grapple, take it to the next level, you know, go deeper, next level, go wider, whatever. Let's try and not just stay the same as followers of Christ, let's try and grow up a little. Four things you might like to just mark out of this. Jesus said, he began this passage by saying, sit here while I go over there and pray. You know, it's not possible, or it's difficult, let me put it that way, it's not possible to do prevailing prayer while looking after the kids and watching the telly or watching the kids and doing the telly whatever. You can pray like that. I pray like that a lot. Little prayers come to mind, that's fine. That's not what we're talking about. This prevailing prayer, this prayer burden really does require you set aside a little time and space. You're gonna have to go away to do this. It might just be the baby's sleeping. I just got five minutes. I'm just gonna get on my knees in the lounge. It's quiet in there. And, And you just have to take yourself away to be with Father. This is important, that's why he's sharing it with you. It's worthy of you t- setting aside a little time and space. You may have to, in the next few weeks, as we go deeper into this, you may find yourselves restless and, ag- and not being able to concentrate because there's this prayer need on your mind. You may have to simply say, right, I get it. I remember what Chris said. Okay, I'm just gonna walk around the block during my lunch break and pray. I'm not gonna go hang out and play darts or whatever it is I do. I'm just going to go and pray about this thing. You've got to take yourself away to do this. Jesus did that. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I have noticed that actually, I don't have a problem with the teaching, I just have a problem with the practice. You know, I get the, I get the, the principle, but whenever I come to do this, whenever I set aside a little time to, to pray, all manner of things happen. You know, suddenly I feel incredibly hungry, <laughs> suddenly I feel desperately tired. Suddenly I, I, I get down to pray, and I wake up with saliva all over, all over the chair and the sort of dribble marks and I've fallen asleep for goodness knows how long. You know. The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Folks, this is going to cost us a little bit. We're going to have to exercise some discipline. We're going to have to wake up and, and if you can only hold it for five minutes, you know, Build up on that. Build from that. But the enemy will chuck all sorts of things. The phone will ring. Somebody will try and sell you you PCP insurance or something like that or get you out of it. The kids will go crazy. Just expect it, okay? But persevere. It's all to do with the flesh. And the flesh, when Paul talks about the flesh, it's this world. This world will mitigate, will try and stop you from spending a few minutes alone, particularly when it comes to Prevailing prayer, making prayer count. Thirdly, and I've already said this, he couldn't leave it alone. It isn't very comfortable. These seasons, and they can last for half an hour, an hour, they can last for weeks, are not very comfortable. They are like being pregnant with something, and it ain't over until it's over. You know, he couldn't leave it alone. He just had to keep coming back to prayer. But there does come a time where enough is enough. Enough, it's time to go, Jesus said. Enough, it's time to go. And when Jesus heard the Roman guards and saw the torches coming down the valley or up the valley towards them, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. There's a big valley as you come up. He had his answer, and he was at peace with it. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Because you and I have a loving Heavenly Father who hears every little sigh and groan of prayer. And occasionally he will honor us, and it is an honor by giving us this prayer burden. And in that time he hopes, he hopes that we're going to take it seriously. And we're going to do a little bit of agonizing in prayer. We're going to make it matter to us. But it won't go on forever. There will be that time where God's peace comes upon you, and like a fretting child, and the mother comes into the room, and the child's fretting and can't sleep, got a bit of a fever. The mother will come in and lay her hand on that child and whisper and coo and probably pray, And the child begins to settle. There will come a point where the spirit comes in comes to you and says, Enough. Peace. Peace. It's done. It may be exactly what you've been praying for. Auntie as well. She, had, she met the consultant. They, they can't believe it. That back problem I was supposed to have the operation this week. They're saying it's not necessary. I got prayer last Sunday. It was absolutely incredible. Or it may be. Would you like to just come into this side room? I've got bad news for you. I'm sorry. I, 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 I wish it was different. Christians. Let it be that you say in that moment, and have the grace, and it's a gift too, to say, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Well, we hope that these next two or three weeks, three or four weeks are gonna help you and help us deepen. God is taking us on an incredible journey. We thought we were buying a building, but it's been so much more than that. And we're growing deeper as Christians, and we're seeing more of the evidence of his presence and power in our midst. I do hope that you will, you will take this next three or four weeks as a prayer burden and pray into it and come to the call to prayer meetings and, and just li- listen and learn and, and ask God to, to teach you in these deeper, deeper things we call prayer. Let's have the team back up here. Let's all stand. Thank you. <clears throat> Father God, we want to say thank you to you. Uh, Lord, I I guess that when I first became a Christian, I was signing up for a blessing and eternal life. That seemed to be enough for me, but the longer I've gone on with this, I've realized it's an incredible journey into the very heart of God. And I want to say thank you for the awesome privilege because you're treating us as sons and daughters. And that's a high calling. And if we're serious about taking our place, as it were, in the family business, a phrase we're fond of using, there are going to be a number of lessons to be learned. And Some of them will come easily to us. Others will take a little bit of fighting for. But we want to say to you, Lord God, that we're up for it. And show us those deep and unsearchable things we do not know. Because God, you are so worth it.